Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And Julie, I kind of want to kick off today's podcast with a quote from Tina Fey. Ah, yes. Yeah, from her book, uh, Bossy Pants. Do you mind mind reading that? No, not at all. I would love to. Where did I put it? Here it is. Okay, yes, this is a wonderful quote. She says, at a certain point, your body wants to be disgusting. While your teens and 20s were about identifying and emphasizing your best features, your late 30s and 40s are about fighting back decay. We all mentally prepare ourselves for wrinkles, but wrinkles are not the problem. It's the unexpected groceries. For example, your mouth. Dear God, your mouth. No matter how diligent you are about brushing and flossing, which is never diligent enough for that show-off dental hygienist of yours, at some point you start waking up every day with a mouth that smells like a snail left in the sun. (laughs) You can fix it as soon as you get up. You brush and use mouthwash. But there's something about knowing you woke up with hot mothball mouth that makes you feel old. I think God designed our mouths to die first to help us slowly transition to the grave. But I'm a big believer in intelligent design, and by that I mean I love Ikea. (laughs) Uh, It's a great quote, because she really gets to the heart of the matter, right? Yeah. Yeah, because especially as we're living longer, our our mouths are kind of dying first. (laughs) Yeah. And then after our mouth dies, uh, other things start to die as well. Uh, All these various components that give out, like like the brake pads in a... In a car after, uh, you know, however many thousands of miles. And this has been weighing heavy in our mind because, of course, we've been doing research into longevity. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we just did a podcast on uh, the whole 999 birthday candles thing. Yeah. And and it is it is like a car that the longer it goes, the more you're going to have to replace this bit and this bit. And uh, and how do we do it? Right. Well, turns out that you can probably grow your own organs at some point. Yeah. Just. Pop them into the microwave. Exactly. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this podcast. And it gets really crazy. Uh, I mean, it's just really mind blowing stuff. Um, but let's, let's start with the mouth that dies first, uh, to quote that. <laughs> yeah. Fey. Um, and, and that's a, by the way, that's an awesome book, uh, Bossy Pants, uh, for anybody who is a Tina Fey fan, uh, like we are. So growing teeth, growing new teeth. Now, obviously we go through the, the, we have the baby teeth that come out. Right. We lose those. Uh, most of us. I think we, we have uh, one of our coworkers still has all of uh, their baby teeth. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's. That, they have oh, little, I have one, small. but yeah. You really do? All, yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, it's wow. hanging on. Because I just made that up about the person with all their baby teeth. Oh, I was like, God, maybe that just like oh. was a rumor that just got really, you know, <laughs> circulated and out of hand there. Wait, so the, I, I don't know much about baby pe- teeth. Apparently, you can you can keep one of them. You're you're allowed yeah, to keep yeah. like one. As baby long tooth? as it's hanging out there and it's fine, I don't have an adult tooth under it. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. Well, hang in there, baby tooth. I know. But uh, anyway, most of us lose all these, then we grow these adult teeth. But then that's it. These teeth have to last you your entire life, and if they fall out, then you just you have to replace them with like dentures and right. various bits of bridge work, uh, or you you can go old school with the, with the wooden. I was about to say teeth. you could carve your own. Yeah. You know, if you're a woodworker, but it turns out that that this piece of vital bone that we need, right, mm-hmm. could possibly be replicated. Yeah, the the, the age is coming. Uh, and in some respects, it's already here when you could when we can grow new teeth. Don't ask your dentist about it yet. <laughs> yeah. we're, not, we're not we're not there yet. But but just a, like a little background on some of the crazy and bizarre uh, stuff that we've done. Um, all right. So grow, when you grow teeth naturally in your head, you have tooth buds or primordia. OK, and these consist of two types of cells. Um 
um, epith- epithelial and mesenchymal cells, all right? So back in 2004, a team at King's College London took epithelial cells from six-week-old mice, and uh, they also took uh, some of their bone marrow stem cells to uh, replicate the other tooth bud cell. They were able to create a, like an artificial tooth bud, all right? And then after three days, they t- transferred this material to the kidneys of other mice where they grew into intact teeth. To the kidneys. To in the, inside the kidneys. So they had like a mouse kidney growing teeth. And the, the real kicker was they were able to take that material then yeah. and actually put it into the jaw of an adult my, mouse. I'm sorry. I'm just still thinking about <laughs> like the, the haggis tooth. You know, and the, the kid, yeah, like isn't um, haggis is uh, you know prepared with all the different uh, like the kidney and the liver and oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the traditional Scottish delicacy yes yes and so I'm just thinking like this haggis tooth thing stuffed in in the body cavity yeah <laughs> well and and luckily this is a very this was this was early you know this was back in 2004 okay. in 2009 um, and I actually did a blog about this back uh, when this happened a U.S. team from Oregon they published a paper on the possibility of growing teeth in a lab. Okay. So you're getting kind of like vat-grown uh, teeth. They're like, or I kind of pictured it as a garden of teeth. You know, oh, you go out that's and lovely. Popping up, and then you know, when there's it, like some gnomes, some yes. teeth. <laughs> and then in 2010, uh, Columbia University Medical Center team unveiled a um, this this really awesome growth factor infused three dimensional scaffold. Uh, Ooh, and, these are so cool. And this is yeah, we're going to be talking a lot about this. But this, it, if you look at it, it basically looks like somebody knitted a little tooth. Like it looks like it's made out of some sort of fiber or something. Yeah. And uh, we use this to regenerate tissue, like an act to to regenerate an actual tooth in just around uh, nine weeks. So they direct the body's own stem cells onto the scaffolding. And once the stem cells have colonized the scaffold, the tooth can grow into the socket and merge with the uh, with the surrounding tissue in your mouth. See that? I think it is amazing. Yeah. And and that's just sort of the tip of the iceberg, right? Because the same process is being used. For organs. Yeah. yeah. And I, I should point out, though, that talking about all this work it takes to potentially grow another tooth right. is this really drives home. And this is coming from the son of a dentist. But take care of those teeth. Because, <laughs> yeah. because even if they are if, if technology is getting to the point where you're these are not the teeth you have for life, that you could potentially grow another one. Look at all that work you're going to have to go to to do it when maybe you should maybe, I don't know, just not eat as much candy. Yeah, true. When it, when it eventually hits the market it is not going going be inexpensive, right? Yeah. Uh, it, initially. Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah. So I would hate to see people be like, grow new teeth. All right. Pass the Skittles because yeah, I'm living right. large. That's right. That really sets up a good... I think, basis for what we're talking about, which is, again, creating your own organs. And there's a guy named Anthony Atala. He is the director of the Wake Forest Institute for Regenerative Medicine, which is right. a huge new field, right? His work focuses on growing and regenerating tissues and organs. And in 2007, Atala and a team of Harvard University researchers showed that stem cells can be harvested from the amniotic fluid of pregnant women. Okay. Uh, and also from the placenta as well. This is important because those stem cells are not rejected by the body and they tend not to uh, develop into tumors. Right. So those are two important factors when now, you're going to introduce something foreign into your body. Right. Now, it's important to stress here that when we're talking about the human body regenerating, we're not talking about magic here. Right. I mean, we, there are plenty of examples of regeneration in other creatures uh, out in the wild. Salamanders. Of course. Salamander, of yeah. course. Our bones regenerate every 10 weeks, our skin every two weeks. Yeah. And there's a great, uh, the great line from the author, uh, Hiroki uh, Murakami, who, uh, you know, author of uh, the Wind Up Bird, Bird Chronicle. He's a big, big Japanese uh, author. But he, uh, he says, uh, body cells replace themselves every month. Even at this very moment, most everything you think you know about me is nothing more than memories. 
Huh. So. Nice. But there are limits, right? Right. Like even using, um, uh, I believe uh, Anthony points out that you can use uh, smart biomaterials mm-hmm. to, to bridge one centimeter gaps. Right. And when he talks about biomaterial, he's talking about something that, that looks to the naked eye, like maybe material from a blouse. Yeah. You know, like and a tiny little postage stamp. Yeah, yeah. Tiny, exactly. And so that's helping to bridge you know, the tissue and to try to get the cells in the blood supply to reach each other in order to regenerate, yeah. right? Something that you wouldn't normally be able to do yourself. Yeah, kind of like a tiny uh, splint or something. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was that's just a tiny bit, though, of what he's actually doing. Right. He actually prefers to use organ-specific cells from the person receiving a transplant or repairing an injury when he's trying to do larger projects. Again, the stem cells from placenta and amniotic fluid they contain those those optimal st- stem cells. And mm-hmm. if you're a woman who has ever been pregnant, then you probably have even seen literature about whether or not you want to bank your blood cord because actually you could use your own stem cells if you wanted to later on down the road. Again, that's not going to be any new news for, for women who have undergone pregnancy. My most clinical way of saying that, gotten preggers, gotten knocked up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but what the really cool thing is is that he has something called a bioreactor, and I'll get to that in a moment. This is something that basically is a box that you throw all of this material in, and, and, and you can create an actual organ down the road. Now this is the, the oven, right? This is the, the oven. The organ oven. Yeah. Which, uh, when we do, uh, when we release this podcast, we'll make sure that on the House of Works blogs, uh, we have uh, some embedded video in the blog post because uh, there's some awesome footage of the stuff that we're about to talk about. Yeah, yeah. It's basically like your easy-bake oven for, for self. Um, but now, he, what are the settings on that easy-bake oven? Um, toasty. Um, soft in the middle. Yeah. Well, I, I think more advanced, uh, but, you know, by the time this comes out, maybe the organs will be more, I mean, the ovens will be more advanced and you'll have specific buttons for heart, kidney, uh, et cetera. Well, but- yeah. And we'll, well, actually, there, there's something we'll talk about in a little bit that, that, um, is very similar to that. But he's taking the tissue samples and then he incubates cells on a scaffold, which we talked about before, right? right? And then he's putting it in this machine and then the machine stretches the cells so that they begin to get a muscle memory of expanding and contracting so that once you put this into mm-hmm. the human body that knows what to do. Um, and then the scaffolding is placed into the patient and disintegrates. Let, let me uh, touch base on the scaffolding again. Um, like I say, it looks kind of like something that's knitted. If you get down close, it looks like some sort of a nanostructure, and to a certain extent it is. But uh, it's made generally made of something like collagen mm-hmm. or some polyesters. Uh, that when it's you know, composed of something more natural. And then there are some less natural materials. But the idea is that it's... Uh, it's kind of like uh, if you had stitches that were absorbed back into your skin. Yeah. You know, it, it just it disappears. It 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 melts away into into the body once its purpose is gone. Yeah, scaffolding. You know, I mean, initially you think of like a man painting, right? You know, a wall high up. But this is just a it's a structure, right? That yeah. allows it to have this three D formation. Yeah, and you basically the idea is it's 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 kind of like paper mache where you have like a scaffold. And then you put the paper mache over it and you have this, then you have the, the form. Yeah. Right? Except instead of bits of newspaper that have been dipped in what glue, mm-hmm. it's the cells. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And then to get back to the bioreactor too, this is this box that they're, mm-hmm. they're the placing it oven. in. The little oven, the easy bake oven. It has the same conditions as a human body. It's 89.6 degrees Fahrenheit with 95% oxygen. Okay. And there's. So a, set the knobs to that. Yeah. Yeah. And actually the TED.com talk featuring Anthony Otella shows them taking, trying to create digits actually. Yeah. And they show them taking it out of the bioreactor and then basting it with more cells. Yeah. And at this point, I believe that what you're seeing is the the bones of the fingers mm-hmm. and then the 
the soft tissue on top of it, and it is amazing to it see. It is amazing. In fact, you see them working with uh, with muscles, like exercising, stretching them. Mm-hmm. You see them working on blood vessels with this kind of tubular scaffolding. Yep, looks kind of like the Chinese finger thing, except you're, you're <laughs> you know, much smaller. Yep, and, and uh, like even like an ear, they're working with, uh, like, just like growing an ear. Yeah, in this stuff. Again, it's just so surreal to see these things coming out of the oven. Like, there's the ear. Um, and one of the coolest things that they engineered a kidney. Um, and, and by the way, 90% of transplant patients are waiting for a kidney. So this is pretty mm-hmm. important. Oh, wait, wait. We should do the bladder first. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah do the, the bladder. The bladder was, was pretty crazy because it's, it's the first thing he touched on that was like, whoa, because cause blood vessels are all right, but but an actual bladder. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting because you have like the scaffolding, right? And there are two cell components. There's the the, the inside uh, lining cells and then the outside muscular cells. Mm-hmm. So you have to basically paint the inside of the scaffolding with the lining cells. And the it's kind of like the sculpture cells. in a way, right? It's almost yeah. like you've got the wire mesh, but the mesh is the scaffolding. Yeah, like sculpture, except the the piece you're creating will hold only urine, and it will go inside <laughs> somebody's abdomen. Damien Hurst. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, paging you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, that's very cool. And did you have any other thoughts on the bladder? Just that it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. In but general, no, it well, is. Well, he also mentioned that like they had uh, they had different sizes, and, oh, and, right. he, and he made a joke. He was joking about like, oh, we, we ended up using uh, small, medium, and large, and I bet everybody would like the large, which was funny. But it, but it really underlines something that we'll we'll probably ramble on about here in a minute. But at what point do you get to choose with your new organs if you do grow an organ? Well, yeah, and initially though they were doing pretty precise. Yeah, um, like custom, custom yeah. bladders for people, and then they, when they started doing it on a larger scale, they just started doing the the sort of one size fits all, depending, uh, or not one size fits all, but the small, medium, and large. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a good question. Like I don't know, because you know, you know how that works out in your clothing sometimes. Doesn't, yeah, you know, small, medium, large is different in different places. I don't it, know what I'm saying there, but you know what I'm saying. Because it makes me think of um, if anybody out there has ever watched the TV show. Uh, Technically, a kids' TV show, Invader Zim. Mm-hmm. There was an episode called Dark Harvest, where Zim is this little alien boy. It's an animated show. Uh, this little alien who who's pretending to be a boy in an elementary school, and he's not very good at taking over the earth, so he's always hatching these ridiculous schemes. And in this one, he's afraid that uh, if he gets head lice, he's going to end up being sent to the school nurse, and the school nurse will notice that he doesn't have human organs, oh. and then they'll have him, you know, he'll be found out. So he starts harvesting organs from all the other children in, in, in the school, replacing those organs with random objects uh, from, from just around the school. And eventually he's just bloated with organs because he's, he's become an organ glutton. He's hoarding yeah. the organs. Yeah. So is that what we might be doing one day? Maybe. You can't help but you know, think of, of like some like really powerful, like rich old dude that just has like a whole wing of his house. Richard devoted, Branson? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, devoted to, to growing spare organs. You mm-hmm. know, like he'll have like, you know, two or three hearts, uh, you know, on, on yeah, hold. He'll be like, here's my time. cooler full of all of my, my backup parts. Yeah. And you know, parts. he won't shop off the shelf either. He, no, won't, he won't go for that small, medium or large bladder. No. It'll be custom. Oh, yeah, it will. Yeah. <laughs> It'll have French cuffs on it. <laughs> but I wanted to talk a little bit about that kidney just a little bit more. Oh, go um, for it. If anybody does check out that TED.com video, it's very cool because they, they show the miniature kidney that they created, and it's actually producing urine, and it's one of the strangest things I've seen in a while. It looks like a sirloin steak with catheters protruding from it, and then mm-hmm. a 
bag collecting the urine. So a lot of this is still experimental, but um, there is one case, Luke Masala. He was one patient who benefited from this technology. He was born with spina bifida, which affected his bladder and kidneys. And um, at one point by age 10, he had undergone 16 surgeries and was facing a lifetime of dialysis uh, when he got this experimental surgery with a regenerated bladder. And he was among the first patients to receive a bladder constructed with his own cells. And today he's fine. He's a sophomore at the University of Connecticut. And he's, uh, according to TED.com, living a normal and active lifestyle. I mean, this is really one of those things we have to stop and stress it, that there is there there's someone out there, there are people out there that have organs that have been grown outside their body yeah. and put back in. Yeah. I mean. They exist. I've been, I've been in awe of that ever since I, I, I read it. That I mean, just think of that, that that we have reached the the point where even in a very limited and Mm -hmm. uh, experimental manner, we can grow an organ outside the human body and then put it inside the human body and it becomes a part of us again. Ponder that for a moment Okay. while we take our break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about printing your own organs. Yes. And it's going to get even more crazy. This presentation is brought to you by Intel, sponsors of tomorrow. And we're back. Organ printing. Yeah. Which, don't you hate it? Like, you know, we live in a big office. Don't you hate it when you go to the printer and somebody's printed out 18 kidneys and they're just lying there yeah. on, the, on, the, on the counter? And you're like, who printed these out? They're just sitting here going to waste. They're attracting mice. Yep. Someone puts up a nasty note. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, hey, jerk. Next time you print out 18 kidneys, make sure you pick them up. <laughs> you see this in our future here at yeah. the office. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, when we talk about printing organs, I mean, we're not just, I mean, this is literally like you are printing organs. You can take a printer, a 3D printer, and instead of using inkjet cartridges, you use cartridges filled with live cells, which are then deposited. And you can print a two-chamber heart in 40 minutes, and then four to six hours later, the muscle cells actually contract. Wow. This is this is crazy. I know, and it's so cool to see it coming out because it's like this little gelatinous mass coming out. Yeah, it's like you're printing with Jello in 3D, and it's just like each time across another layer of Jello until you have this thing, and then yeah, then and then like hours later, it starts pumping. Right, right. But as we know, if if this ever reaches um, a level where we can actually print our own organs in our home, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just going to be the crappiest printer in the world, and you have to like reprint your heart five (laughs) times, keeps getting jammed. And you're always out of uh, whichever cellular uh, tissue that you use the most, the magenta, I guess. Yes, yeah. the magenta, exactly. Yeah. Um, but those are really cool things that have been happening in the last couple of years. And recently, though, one of the most exciting things is uh, something called adipose regenerative cells. And um, I guess you could even call this section that we're about to talk about DIY breasts. Yes. Yeah. And the reason is, is because uh, what they have found, researchers have found, that the um, parts of the body that have adipose fat cells, right? Those can actually be suctioned out mm-hmm. and they can be used to reform breast tissue. So we're talking about doing a little liposuction, uh-huh. getting a little fat, yep. and putting it in a centrifuge, yep. and then sorting out what you want to use. Yeah, not yeah. all in the same day, right? Right. Oh, but, yeah, that's because there's a lot to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And then later, <clears throat> once these cells have cultured and so on and so forth, 
you can use us to rebuild the breast. And what you would want to use us for, ideally, is for someone who's had a mastectomy or yeah. maybe they have one breast that they lost or both. But we'll talk about the implications of this in a moment, about how it's much more than just breast tissue. I just want to mention that the company that is doing this is called Cytori Therapeutics. And the CEO, Chris Calhoun, is trying to improve on this regenerative medicine that we're talking about, using these stem cell enriched adipose fat to heal and rebuild injured or damaged organs. So they took this fat and they made this huge discovery. And the discovery is that the fat cells are actually chock full of stem cells. So they they realized that it probably had uses other than just recreating breast tissue. But the reason why they focused on breast tissue is because it's a, a fairly easy thing to do with with something that isn't um, vital to our, the way our body functions, right? Right. I mean, other than breastfeeding, your breasts really aren't there for much else. Insert your own joke there. What they did is they went to Japan and they initially tested uh, this reconstruction with these breast cells on Japanese women because it turns out that women in that society who had a mastectomy would avoid public baths. And that is a huge part. Public baths are a huge part of the culture there. Yeah, of of many cultures, really. I mean, it's going to come as kind of a shock to especially some of our our U.S. audiences where, you you know, you go to the YMCA or whatever and uh, and every people are wearing like T-shirts in the sauna. Right. uh, Which is disgusting, (laughs) by the way. Uh, Whereas uh, in in many parts of the world, in Asia, uh, in Still in some parts of Europe, you know, you still have a rich, and of course in Russia, you still have a rich bath culture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in certain areas of it, nudity is part of it. And therefore, one, you, know, you, you tend to find in these environments, people are more comfortable, certainly more comfortable with their nudity than America. Right. Uh, where, the, again, the idea of being naked at the YMCA is, is insane. And I don't understand why I was banned from there. Um, this is <laughs> a joke. But, um, uh, but uh, but but yeah. So so even even in these environments, one there would be you know open to different body types uh, and all right. that. Um, the the loss of something like that could make one feel excluded from a very important part of their life. Yeah. To be clear, they weren't banished by their people, no, but no, they no, were just they were feeling ashamed yeah, about yeah. their bodies, and so the, you know they effectively sort of excommunicated themselves from society in that sense. They were you know obviously more open to this process of recreating the breast tissue. Mm-hmm. And they actually got pretty good result for actually doing something that was quite Frankenstein. I mean, a lot of that was guesswork at the beginning of how much, you know, they should use of this proprietary mix of enzymes with yeah. the tissue and so on and so forth. And like you say, it was a good uh, test case for this technology because yeah. uh, it wasn't, for the most part, you were not talking about life-threatening uh, situation. Right, exactly. Yeah. Here they are with this. They've got this idea that these stem cell rich adipose fat cells could be used for other purposes. They know that it can make bones that they could use to repair facial defects in children. Mm-hmm. But what they are really finding out, what it, what it does great is making a new blood supply to tissue which is really important for how we can repair our own vital organs, right? Because that's Mm -hmm. the problem with aging right now, is that, as you had said, that our cells do repair themselves to a certain degree, but at some point, you know, you just can't bridge that supply with blood into the tissue. So I just want to talk a little bit about this this box. Again, a box shows up, right? This the magic box that, that does all the cool things to the cells that makes it be able to come like this actual organ for us. Right, the easy bake organ. Oven. Yeah, yeah. So this box is basically, it basically is a cellulation device and it's a box with scaffolding inside, which we've talked about already, mm-hmm. and the centrifuge. And it, cent- it separates the adipose tissue from stem cells and then a mix of propi- proprietary enzymes are added. And it, the mix is different depending on what kind of tissue you want. 
which is pretty amazing, right? So it's sort of like a margarita mix. Okay, here you go. Um, <clears throat> or whatever it is that you want on the, on the other end of this process. The problem is that unlike stem cells, which you could use for like 200 plus kinds of cells in the human body, these adipose fat cells can only be used in or differentiated into fat, bone, and muscle. So it's not an end all be all thing here. Right. But it's pretty amazing that it's it's an alternative to having to get stem cells, which we know is a difficult process right now. Right. And who knows in the future what that will bear out. But right now, I mean, the fact that you could just go and get a tummy tuck, you know, <laughs> and use those own your own rich stem cells from the adipose fat for something else, perhaps, is amazing. Yeah, it's great. I, I I love the idea of it. I do too. Now the problem is is that there are other companies that have gotten in on the game, but their process is slightly different, and they're making some claims that are a little bit dodgy. Like I'm thinking, I'm imagining Doctor Nick from The Simpsons showing up, e- you know, or Doctor Sajeman from Thirty Rock. Possibly, yeah, yeah. Take a few stem cells. Um, but they're saying they're making claims like the cells can be used to treat autism and type two diabetes and so mm. on and so forth. So you may have, you know, if if you're um, into the subject, you may have seen it in the media a little bit, and that's a little bit of the dark side, right? Is yeah. that there's a lot of competition to get this to market. A stem cell smoothie is not going to make you healthier. No, no. But a little wheat germ shot would be just lovely. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Um, I think that the key takeaway from this, though, is that right now the demand for organ transplants is has doubled in the last decade. And still we have the same amount of organs available. So what that means is that, you know, we shouldn't you know stop signing our organ cards on our driver's license here in the United States. If mm-hmm. we want to donate our, our uh, organs, you know, there's so much need out there. And that's why they're trying to come up with this technology. So this isn't going to do away with the, the organ donating process by yeah. all means. And you can you can find out more about organ donation uh, by going to HowStuffWorks.com. Uh, we have an article called How Organ Donation Works. We have one called How Organ Transplants Work. And if you live in the U.S., you can go to organdonor.gov to find out more. Other, otherwise, if you're in another country, um, in a number of you are, you know, do a search for organ donation in then your particular country. But I want to add one more thing yeah, yeah. Um, about about all this because uh, I can't help but think of the ways that this could be misused or used irresponsibly mm-hmm. or just stupidly. And I'm instantly thinking, I get all these emails. Everybody gets all these emails about penis enlargement, you know, the junk <laughs> mails. So I can easily imagine a future where the junk mail becomes grow your own custom penis. And it's going to be really a weird future if that comes to pass. I know. I just started thinking about sea monkeys Yeah. for some reason. So I'm not going to lo- follow the logical conclusion to that. Now, didn't the Wired article actually go into the possible um, cosmetic use of, of this um, last technology for breast implants? Yeah. And that's actually... Actually, the, the competing companies I was talking about, that's mm-hmm. one of the claims that they're making, too. And whether or not that's something that'll bear out, we don't know. But it may be that that's something that um, could help, I suppose, make you look dewy and 16-year-old-ish. Yeah. But they won't look like artif- they won't look like breast-implanted breasts, right? You will not have breasts on your face. That's okay. what I understand. Okay. Or nipples. Okay, not yet, but who knows what the future is going to hold? That—that's the thing. It's like we, when, when we, when things become possible for humans, it seems like it's just a matter of time till we start misusing them. And, it's true. Know, or somebody loses a bet. You just had to bring that dystopian shade down on it. Yeah. Yep, I understand. Well, let's see. Let's turn uh, our backs from that then and uh, take a look at some quick uh, listener mail. I think I have a few to choose from here. Uh, well, we have uh, some listener mail here from John. John writes in. And uh, John says, what a coincidence that you have back-to-back podcast on aliens and platypods. 
platypods. Platypods. Platypods, the uh, plural of platypus. Um, I've always wondered if Australia was a genetic playground for aliens, uh, with the platypus being their greatest creation. No offense to kangaroos and koala bears. Bears, right. I have, because really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been watching the, uh, a rather well-done um, series on Netflix about ancient aliens, and they talk about the aliens wiping out all genetic ex- uh, experiments, chimeras, sphinx, in a great flood. I enjoy the show, John. So um, it's an interesting idea. I mean, clearly the, the platypus is, is a, a perfect creation, uh, but uh, as we discussed in the podcast, I think it's far more likely it just evolved that way. I don't know. It's uh, unassuming, right? You you would never think like, oh, that's that's the alien creation. Oh, you're with the aliens now. You show up for podcast day, your voice sounds a little different, supposedly because of a, co- a cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. It's really me, honest. Let's see. I have another one here about the platypo- platypos. You know it's me because I said nipples. <laughs> Here's a letter from Jeremy. Hi, guys. Love the platypus show. I was surprised that you didn't bring up the character Perry the platypus from the Disney show Phineas and Ferb. Perry is a household pet who lives a double life as a 007 parody, Agent P. You even seem to be on the verge of it when you were discussing its venomous quality. Maybe I just uh, watch way more TV with my kids than I should. Keep up the great work, Jeremy. I was not familiar with this show. I I think that's interesting that we, we follow the same logic. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, oh, and just one note. Um, I can't remember. I might, uh, I think in the past I have occasionally said uh, venom when I mean poison or poison when I mean venom. And the two words are, of course, not interchangeable. And uh, to do so is uh, elegant variation, which is uh, uh, a whole other thing. But anyway, venomous animals, just to refresh, store toxin internally and release them through biting or stinging, mm-hmm. uh, such as with a platypus. Whereas poisonous animals uh, usually secrete toxins through their skin. And then if you touch them or eat them, uh, then you, you get the poison in you. There so, you go. Yeah. For so, you. platypus, venomous. Hardcore, venomous poisonous folks out there. But the the real take home is that they are magical. (laughs) They're not really magical. But anyway, so hey. They're magically delicious. (laughs) Yeah, perhaps. If you you go to the right places, if you know the right spots. Um, So if you have anything to share with us, especially about do-it-yourself organs, about the current technology, about where it's going or where it may lead us, uh, we love to hear about it. So just uh, let us know on Facebook or Twitter. For starters, uh, you can find us on both of those as Blow the Mind. Or you could go more long form and you could email us at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Mm-hmm.